Amen. Kingdom-minded is what we are talking about at the beginning of this year, 2022. A lot of prayer has gone into what, what we wanted to talk about over the, over the next year, and I've, we've got ideas of, uh, for the, really, the rest of the year, really. But, but especially this first part of the year, this idea of being kingdom-minded is what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, several weeks, a new sermon series, and I have so much to say, actually, about this kingdom-minded. Um, I have uh, about 57 weeks of things that I want to say, and we're going to say it in seven weeks, okay? So, <laughs> so uh, challenge accepted here. Um, a lot to say about uh, the kingdom. It's one of those things that is right in front of our faces, even though sometimes we rarely see it or we don't choose to see it, but it's, it's right there in, in our face. It, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes my wife Becky, she'll hide snacks from me by moving them three inches to the left. You know what I'm saying? If you, you know, where you're like, you know, Becky, where's the Oreos? They're on the second shelf. I'm looking on the se- oh, I found them right here. Found them. Is that anybody else? Is that anybody else have that husband? Is that, okay. <clears throat> I found them. I didn't need your help. Thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's, it's right in our face. This, this idea of the, of the kingdom of God, um, it's right there in our face, but sometimes we, we don't see it. And so that's what we're talking about here today. In fact, Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he did any other topic. And so we're going to dive uh, pretty deep in, into this, okay? And so what is the kingdom of God um, how do we get into this kingdom of God? What does that look like? That's what we're going to be looking at. The kingdom um, is everything that God rules or is in charge of. If you are a king, then you are in charge of this land. And normally there's a certain border because that king owns that land. And, and I'm a king here and I own this land. And so everything that's in that kingdom is, is owned by the king. Now, when it comes to God, he created everything, <laughs> So his borders are, well, there aren't really any borders. He owns everything. He created everything. Uh, And so the people that are in his kingdom, the earth, the land, the animals, the plants, everything that he created is in his kingdom. Job 12 even says that if he holds the waters back, then there is a drought. So it's not just one of these things where he kind of directs people. He can direct the waters and the rain and 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 the earth's rotation and all of these different things, that he even makes plants grow. Paul talks about this, that, you know, how, do, how does a plant grow? Well, some, somebody plants the seed, somebody waters the seed, and then it grows because God gives the increase, and he makes it to grow. And so he holds the stars in the sky. This, this whole idea of this creation, um, that's the kingdom of God. And so we, as his people, are in his kingdom as well. And so I'm going to look at several verses today. It, t- today is kind of a different message than what I, what I normally do. Today I'm all over the Bible here, okay? So if you, if you got your thumbs ready to go over different parts of the Bible, or we have it here on the screen for you as well. Uh, but I'm going to be in uh, Genesis and in Revelation and several books in the middle. So does that sound good? And we're <laughs> a little different than what I'm used to, okay? But, but this is kind of an introductory sermon to the series to let you know what we're going to be talking about, but I do think that the Lord has something for us here today as well. So, but if you're one of these that, that has to turn to a scripture, and I want to, okay, Matthew chapter 4. If you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 4, you can, and I'll be there in just a minute, okay? 
I'm starting in Genesis, so I got, I'll, I'll get there. Matthew chapter 4, but the, the, uh, the verses are going to be on the screen. So let's look at a few verses of what I'm talking about here um, as far as the Lord and his reign or his rule or his kingdom and what he has created. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 says, And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 22, 28. For the Lord is king and rules the nations. Everybody say king. King. He is king and he rules the nations. Uh, Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything that there is. Isaiah 40, verse 10. See the sovereign Lord. That means that, that, that as he rules, that he has the knowledge of a great king and that he controls everything there. The sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. So th those are Old Testament. Then you go in the, even into the New Testament. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then if we were to look all the way at the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 19, toward the end, that is going to be eternity, on his robe at his thigh were written this title, King of Kings and Lord of all Lords. How many of you have heard him described as that? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is our God. Amen? This is our God. John 3, 3 says, Jesus replied, and this is to Nicodemus. Many of you know this, remember this conversation. Jesus replied, Verily, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So now we have kind of this element where he owns everything, and everything that is in here is in his kingdom, but you're not going to see the kingdom unless you are born again. So there's just kind of this idea where the kingdom of God is now and the kingdom of God is there. See what I'm saying? Kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus talks about how the kingdom of God is near. Thank you, Siri. Um, and so we have, so there's this kind of this idea. So if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. This is interesting here. Are we in it there? Now here in America... We're not very familiar with kings and kingdoms, are we? The idea that someone out there that we never really get to see is in total control of our life, we don't like that, do we? So for those of you who are trying to figure out this Christianity thing, and you're watching online, or you're here today, and you're trying to figure everything out, so far you have disagreed with everything I've said, okay, <laughs> about him being king over everything. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're watching, Okay. Because there's, there's some, something in us, there's a kind of a knee-jerk reaction to a dictator or a totalitarian, uh, you know, or, or someone who's going to rule us on high, and we have no say in any of this, really. In fact, we fought a war to not have a king, didn't we, here in America, okay? We, we, did, we don't like it. We don't like the idea. We like freedom. We like personal choice. We like things. There's something inside of us that when someone says, you have to do it, oh, no, I don't, you know? Even if it's a boss, 
tells you you have to do this. You try to find a little way around it because I'm going to take some control of this, okay? I'll email it when I'm ready to, <laughs> okay? Because we don't like this idea that someone reigns over us, okay? And, and we don't like the idea that the king gets what he wants, we're left with all the scraps. The king is rich and powerful, we are poor and helpless. The king thinks he's so great, he's going to build a statue to himself, and we are so not. <laughs> and so I think that one of the reasons, part of the problem is that we have this knee-jerk reaction against kings is because we've read a history book. <laughs> and so we look back and we go, bad king, bad king, he was awful, he was terrible, he killed people, he did this. And so we, we look through the past and we go, I, I don't want to be ruled by that. Look at this, where he sets up in his, in his, uh, in his kingdom, in his, in his uh, uh, not mansion, castle. There we go. I couldn't think of the word castle. He sets up in his castle, and he rules from on high. He gets all the best food, and he gets all of this, and we get a little bit of this. We don't like that because there's been horrible examples of kings throughout history. Has there not? Horrible examples. Not very many good examples of truly good kings. What we have learned is that absolute power corrupts absolutely. <laughs> and so you give any king an inch, he's going to take a mile. Well, really, not even a king. If you give anybody an inch, they're going to take a mile. Because it just seems like you give them just a little bit of power, and what they want is more. And then they're going to corrupt it because it corrupts absolutely. So when someone tells you to do this, we buck up against that. Unless, sometimes, if that person has the best interest of us at heart. If you, for instance, wanted to be a great surgeon, and the top surgeon in Houston were to come and were to knock on your door and say, if you want to be a great sermon, you need to do this, this, and this. Rarely, we would go, dictator, don't tell me what to do. No, he, he's, he's trying to help you, right? Like he's being good. He's trying to teach you what to do, and so if you want to do this, then you've got to do this, this, and this. If you wanted to play uh, defense in the NFL and J.J. Watt were to come and knock on your door and say, if you want to be in the NFL, you need to start doing this, this, and this this morning. And would we look at him and go, tyranny, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> no, he's, he's trying to help you. He's, he's moving you in that direction of where you're wanting to go. If you wanted to start an impressive change of gas stations all around Texas where it's like a mixture of Walmart and Six Flags all in a gas station. And Mr. Bucky's comes to your house and tells you, here's what you need to do. You don't answer back, authoritarian, I will not do this, right? You, you get the point. If they're, if they're there to help you and to tell you what to do, sometimes we're, we're maybe a little more open to, okay, I'll get up early. Okay, I'll do some of this hard stuff. We're skeptical of kings and politicians because we don't know them, and we've seen plenty of bad examples. Well, maybe we'll listen to those who have our best interests in mind. So all human kings are corrupt and unrighteous, but what if God wasn't? Okay? What if the king of kings and the lord of lords, what if he was not corrupt? What if actually he was a good king that had your best interests in mind and at heart? 
And when he said to do this, it was to get you in a place where you want to go. We want to be with the Father in heaven one day, amen? But even here on this earth, what if we were to listen to him? Psalm chapter 9 says, But the Lord will remain and sit enthroned forever. He has prepared and established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness, not in unrighteousness. He will execute judgment for the nations with fairness. The Lord also will be a refuge and a stronghold for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. That can't be said for the majority of kings that have existed on earth. He will judge the world with righteousness. So let's go back and let's look at where this this kind of the idea of him being a king started. So what, where was kind of the first, first idea of this kingship? Well, you could argue it was back on the very first page of the Bible, which is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In the beginning, and if you know this verse, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So in this confusion, God begins to create something out of nothing. And that's many times how other kingships started. They, there was confusion around, and there was someone who said, I've got a better way to do it. And so he got a couple of people to, to join his crew, and they got another couple of people to join their crew. And then they invaded the chaos, and they took over, and then they became king. Here is God looking out, looking out over, his spirit is hovering above the waters, There is chaos there, and he said, let there be light. And and the creation began. And so what he started out of nothing, he now becomes the king over. But then he does something so interesting, still on the first page of the Bible, that is different than any other kings that have existed. Still in chapter 1, verse 27, he makes man... In his own image. Then he says, God in verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves along the ground. So he's telling human beings to rule over this earth. That there's a certain amount of rule and reign and authority that has been given from God to us humans. Now, real quick, I want to catch something real quick. I'm not talking about us as lesser gods or young gods or little gods, if you will. We are not little gods, okay? There's not this idea that that we are really perfect. We just have to kind of realize that. And there's a big God, but we're little God. That's not what I'm saying here, okay? We are fallen humans. We are nothing without Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ that saved us, okay? But there is this element here that as he is the king, he is giving us some power to rule. And other kings didn't do that, did they? If they were the king, they ruled over it. He shares his power. There is, this is different than any other kings. Earthly kings, they rule selfishly, don't they? They rule with anger. They rule with vengeance. They lust for power. They kill. They control. So, Ever since the fall of man, 
we try to find out a different way to rule other than the way that God told us to rule. So they start ruling with their thoughts in mind. Okay, if I'm going to control this place, then we're going we're gonna to do this the way that I want to do it. We're going to control it this way. And they, so they rule with anger. They killed people, everything. So then we look, we kind of zoom ahead a little bit to Exodus. And we have a king here in Egypt, which they called Pharaoh. That's right. And so Pharaoh represents the kings that control a land. At this time, it was the, it was the largest nation. Uh, he had the, it was the king or the pharaoh with the most power. He ruled over everything, and he ruled with an iron fist. And, and he, was, he was an evil king. He had slaves. He built monuments to himself. And he kind of represents kings before him, kings after him. But he was the king over the largest area at that time, okay? So he ruled with this iron fist. And so one of the things that is popular when you have, when you are in control is that you call things that are evil, you call them good. So that when you do evil things, you can say that it was good things. So what Pharaoh noticed is that the Israelites were doing exactly what God told them to do, which is to fill the earth and multiply. They were multiplying faster than the Egyptians. They were becoming more powerful than the Egyptians. And so what did he do? He decided, I want to kill all of the male babies. As soon as they are as soon as they were born, we're going to throw them in the Nile. So he killed babies, and he called it good. It was evil. Evil. But he called it good. Anybody follow me here? He killed babies and then called it good. Listen, I don't care what you call it. You can call it good. You can call it health care. Killing babies is evil. And it's happening now, and it happened all the way back in Exodus. They did evil, and they called it good. Now, there is repentance, and there is forgiveness for things that happen. But let's not call things that are evil good. That's exactly what Pharaoh did. And so he began to kill all the Hebrew baby boys and called it good. So now... Here is this king who controls everything, this pharaoh. He controls everything, and he starts doing all this stuff. And so God looks down and says, so you think you're divine. <laughs> you think you're in control. You think you are in, okay. So what a normal king would do was he would come and meet pharaoh face to face. But he didn't do that, did he? He called upon his servant Moses because he's giving us authority to rule in some respect, right? So he sends Moses and Aaron, and they go in there, and they start talking. You know, you're defying the Almighty God. And he says, I don't care about this Almighty God. I'm in control. And so then God begins to step by step show Pharaoh, you're not in control, actually. I'm going to turn the Nile into blood. I'm going to send frogs. I'm going to send locusts. I'm going to send boils on everybody, darkness across the land. And then finally, the firstborn of, of all the families in Egypt, die. And then what he does is he looks and he says, you think you're in control? You think you're in charge? Actually, I'm in charge. And there's this part at the end of, as, as they're leaving, they walk through the Red Sea, all the Israelites, they walk through the Red Sea, and the Egyptians start to chase them. And as, as the Israelites get across the Red Sea, you got the water on both sides, the the Egyptians come through, and the water comes crashing down. Just 
coincidence after all the Israelites were safe, right? The Israelites go through, and then here come the Egyptian army, crashes down. And so there's this song that is saying after this in Exodus chapter 15. And it starts off, and it's like, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. And so they sing this song in praise to an almighty God. And in the last verse, the last part of the song in 18, the Lord will reign as king forever and ever. So it says, this guy thinks he is king. And he thinks that he is ruler, but he's not. I am the almighty king. And so it's this contrast of if you want to take control as king, your kingdom will come crashing down. But if you have faith in me and you follow me, your true king, you are going to be delivered. You are going to be saved, and I'm going to take you to where I want you to go. It's a beautiful shot there. And so we have this to hold on to. The Israelites have this to hold on to throughout the Old Testament. We have this to hold on to as well. And so we start going through the Old Testament, and king after king after king, it's like they don't learn their lesson. The ones that follow the Lord, they have success in battle, they have success in finance. The ones that do not follow the Lord, they do it their own way, they come crashing down. You saw this all throughout the Old Testament, yes? We see this even here now today. So then we fast forward to Matthew chapter 4. I told you I'd get there, right? Matthew chapter 4. I'm moving through. Moving through as king. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus comes on the scene. John the Baptist has just prepared the way for him, baptized Jesus. He meets his foe, Satan, comprehensively defeats him. Then the ministry of Jesus begins, and he fulfills uh, what Isaiah had said, that he would come from Nazareth. Then he starts getting his first disciples. So if you are going to start establishing a kingdom here on earth, wouldn't you go to Jerusalem, where all the smart people and the strong people and the good-looking people and the whatever? That's where you would normally go to get, right? We're getting all of our people here, and then we're going to get more people, and then we're going to invade the area. Um, he doesn't do that. He goes out and he finds fishermen. He finds regular people, me and you and just normal people, that these people are going to be my disciples. And I'm going to teach them about the kingdom of God. So he says, come and follow me. I will show you how to be fishers of men. And so he gets Peter and he gets Andrew, James and John, just normal people. So for those of you who are like, well, I don't know if God can use me. I'm not Mr. PhD or, you know, whatever. Great. Just have you been fishing before? Okay, then God can use you. <laughs> okay. Verse 23 in chapter 4, there's this verse. It says, Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. All right, so if you were to go hear Jesus teach in these synagogues, what is Jesus talking about? What are some sermons that you're going to hear from Jesus? If he's going to go and he's going to teach in these synagogues, what are some sermons that, that he said? Well, he said to love your neighbor as yourself, right? He said that. Jesus said that. Maybe that's a sermon that you might hear. That's a, that's a good sermon. That's what he said. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Isn't that the golden rule? He said that, yeah. So he said those things. 
maybe that's a sermon that you would hear him preach. He said all those things. The thing is, the Jewish leaders didn't want to crucify him because he preached sermons about loving your neighbor as yourself. Okay? That's not why they wanted him dead. You don't want to kill someone because their main sermon is to love people. That's not, that's not, okay? So he's obviously teaching something else, something else that the religious leaders don't like. So the te- he's teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. There is a kingdom of God, and it is different than any kingdom that is here on earth, and it's different than... It's different in rule and reign of what you think. You're wanting some powerful guy to ride down on a horse or something. That's what you're wanting in a king. It's, it's different. That's not what it is. So he's announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So that's that verse, and that's what he says. That's what he came to do. So here he is in the synagogue. I'm going to talk about the kingdom, and then I'm going to heal people. So that's what the next several chapters are. You look at chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. So he's going to talk about the kingdom. The kingdom is different than what you think. Really, even in the first words. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for, their, for the kingdom of God is theirs, right? That's the first one. That's the first beatitude. So he is starting off by what you think is wrong. You think that the smart people and the strong people and, the, and, the, and the, what everybody says is the good people up here, they're going to... And then you got the poor in spirit, those who are struggling. These are the people that's going to seek my face. So it's not these people. We're going to switch it like this, and it's these people who are going to inherit the kingdom. These people are going to see it. So he, from the offset, he is putting everybody on notice. What you think about the kingdom of God is wrong because you're looking at these bad examples. I am not ruling that way. I'm ruling a completely different way. He sets them all on notice. Then he starts talking about, you know, you've heard it said, don't kill your neighbor. Okay, well, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. I tell you, don't even be mad at your neighbor. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even look at a woman with lustful thoughts. Turn the computer off, okay? So you've heard it said that this is bad. I'm t- I'm, we're taking it up a notch. You've heard about this? We're taking it up a notch, and I'm doing it completely, completely different. So for three chapters, he talks about the kingdom, and then the next two chapters after that, he starts healing people. Jesus heals a, leper, a leprous man, the faith of the Roman officer. He had a sick servant. Um, uh, he, heal, and he heals many, paralyzed man, uh, a blind man. So he does this Matthew 4.23, which is we're going to talk about the kingdom, and then we're going to heal everybody. And then, check this out, at the end of chapter 9, Verse 35, after he just preached about the kingdom and after he just healed the sick, he says in verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Nearly a carbon copy of 423. 423 and Matthew 9.23 is almost word for word the exact same verse. So this is like what the preachers used to do. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, then I'm going to say it, and then I'll tell you what I told you. <laughs> Type of a deal. Here's what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to do it for a little bit, and now I just told you what I did. That's what Jesus just did here. 
but he continues, okay? He continues. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his kingdom. So he told the people, we're going to talk about the kingdom and I'm going to heal people. He talked about the kingdom and he healed people. And then he looked out and he said, we've got a big job ahead of us. We have got a huge job. I am one person who is only going to be here a short amount of time. So I am going to call people into the kingdom of God give them rule and authority to be able to speak in my name, to be able to talk about the kingdom in my name, to be able to heal those with illnesses in my name. And you are going to rule and reign the power of darkness. And we are going to invade that darkness with light, just like he did at the very beginning. The kingdom of God is seen from the first verse to the last verse. It's the kingdom of God, and you play a part in it. You play a part in it. He says the workers are few. We need to get more in the kingdom. We've got to get more in the kingdom. So that's why when he says again in John 3, 3, when he says, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Once you get in the kingdom, you see everything else. Why, like, why, do, we, why do we believe in the Son? Not just because we see it, but because when we see the sun, it allows us to see everything else. And so when he says be born again, if I was, if I was able to go back and be born again and make decisions the way uh, that now that I know who God is and who he is the king, I would change the way many of my decisions that I made. Wouldn't you? If you, couldn't you go back and before you were saved, wouldn't you do different things, make different decisions? But now that you know that, those of you who are in the kingdom, you are born again, now you make decisions different. You can look back and see in your past where kings ruled with control and power and times when you operated with control and power. And aren't you ashamed of those times? And you saw that when you made awful decisions, your kingdom crumbled. But then whenever you made decisions for the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that kingdom was raised up, wasn't it? That's the kingdom of God. God wants his kingdom ruled by humble, forgiven sinners. He wants to put the world right so he puts people right so they can be putting right people for and in the world. <laughs> Did you follow that? God wants creation to be renewed by people who are renewed. That's the kingdom of God. And when we become in that kingdom of God, now we're sent out to bring other people into the kingdom of God so that they can see. So that they can see. So now, in light of all this, let me ask you a question. In light of this whole kingdom issue, and we're going to dive even deeper into this subject the next six weeks. We're going to look at some of the ins and outs of everything. Old Testament, New Testament, all of it. But today, let's, let, let's ask a question here for today, okay? We've looked back and we've seen the destruction when we do it our way and we've seen the goodness when we do it God way, God's way, right? So let me ask you a question. Is This is the second week of 2022. 
in light of what you know now, would you make this statement? I'm going to take the control, as we talked about the control, I'm going to take the control that I have in my life and with limited knowledge, limited power, limited life expectancy, and limited capacity to love, and I'm going to make decisions in what I think is right and what makes me feel good. How would 2022 turn out for you if you operated in that way? Let me say it, let me say it again. I'm going to take the control that I have and with limited knowledge, limited power, limited life expectancy, limited capacity to love, and make decisions of what I think is right, what makes me feel good. How's 2022 going to turn out for you? Or you could put your faith and trust in an everlasting, all-knowing, all-powerful, good king who has your best interests at heart. How would 2022 turn out for you then? (laughs) I want to put my faith and trust in God. Listen, you can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. And God loves us enough to give us that choice. Am I going to choose control, doing it my way? Or am I going to choose faith in a loving God, all-powerful God? So here's what I'd like us to do. Can we stand this morning? Because we're going to go into a time of prayer. And, and I want us to start off this, this year right as well. And I, I want it to be commonplace where when we come to the house of the Lord, yes, we're going to greet our friends and talk to people and we're going to sing a couple of songs, but I want it to become commonplace in Friendship Church that we talk to God. That we come around these altars or around the front or we find a place to pray, but we seek the face of God. Not just God's advice, we seek the face of God. Can we make that commonplace in 2022? Because it's a step away from me being in control in my life and it's a step toward faith in God. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. And when, as we have seen, when we take control of our life, there's destruction. When we give faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then the kingdom of God is ours. I want us to be kingdom-minded here this morning, not corrupt-minded. I want us to be kingdom-minded as a church. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here today, and maybe a couple of people, you're here today, and, and Jesus is not the king of your life. You would not call yourself a, a Christian. Then when we go into a time of prayer, I definitely want you to come to the front and talk to the Lord. Say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life, the king of my life. I want to follow you. But maybe you're here today. You love God. You're a Christian. You love Jesus. But there are a few things in your life that you like to hold the control over. You like to have the say. You like to call the shots. And what you've got to do is release that to the Lord. We are so limited in everything. Holding control really doesn't make a lot of sense. But controlling it to an all-loving, all-powerful God, that makes plenty of sense. Who will bless that? Bring it into the kingdom. So I want us to find a place to pray here today. I want to invite you to come to the front. And find a place to pray and say, God, I want to be kingdom-minded. Like I said, maybe you're here and you want to give your heart to the Lord. But maybe you're here and you say, I, I, I take control over this area of my life too much, whether it's finances, family, work, whatever it is. 
and I want to give that to the Lord. I want to operate in faith and trust and not control and corruption. So if that's you, one, two, three, go. Let's find a place to pray. And let's just make it commonplace that when we come to the house of the Lord, we are going to seek the face of God. And sometimes seeking the face of God means turning away from our face, but seeking God's face. So if you're here today and you say, I want to turn that control around, and I don't want to control it anymore. I want God to have control over my life. He is the king. He is our king. And so find a place to pray. Come on. Hallelujah. God, thank you for being a good, good king. You rule and reign power and justice and grace and love. Lord, you rule. Be the Lord of our life. We're sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. When I try to take control and just do things my way, Lord, that way leads to destruction every single time. Lord, when we follow you, Lord, when we follow you, we, we see the kingdom for what it is, and it's glorious, and it's here, and it's here forever. It's a forever kingdom. So God, we say thank you. Thank you for inviting us into your kingdom. Help us, Lord, as we make decisions going forward that we would choose faith instead of control, that we would choose trusting you instead of our way. Lord, help us, Lord. Help us individually. Help us as a church. Help us as the church across the world that we would follow you. Follow you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a good king. Thank you for being a good, good king. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. He's a good king. Amen. He's a good, good king. And he is worthy of following. Worthy of following him. Thank you so much for being here.